Welcome to the weekly podcast channel for the Wilmington Church of Christ. We hope that this channel inspires and encourages you to take the gospel to all people, transforms hearts to be like Christ, and trains disciples to make disciples. For more information about our church, please go to wcconline.org. Enjoy the message. Have you ever heard of the 1 in 60 rule? Apparently in air navigation, one of the basic rules is that if you begin your trip off by just one degree, you will be one mile off your destination within the first 60 miles of travel. So if you're off by one degree and you just travel the length of a football field, you'll only miss your target by about five feet. One degree off after a mile and you'll miss your target by about 100 feet. But if we have to travel from the United States to, say, India, one degree off when we start, we'll be 500 miles off target when we land. Small actions accumulated over time make a huge difference. If we go work for NASA and head to the moon, one degree difference over the course of that 240,000 mile rocket trip puts us off target by 4,100 miles. We would miss the moon completely. Small actions over a small amount of time don't make much of a difference, but small actions over a long amount of time make a big difference. This is true for us spiritually as well. When we spend just a little bit of time every day praying and reading our scripture and meditating on the word of God, our souls are transformed more and more into looking like Jesus Christ and living up to the label God has given us. It's true financially as well. If we save just a little bit every week, month by month, over a short period of time, our savings don't seem very substantial. But over several years, if we save a little bit at a time, our savings will grow to be a fortune. If you're young and you start saving a little bit now, you'll have enough to buy your own car when you're 16. Or if you keep saving and you find a low compound interest mutual stock, you can be a millionaire by the time you're 40 or 50, just by saving a little bit over time. Small commitments, wise daily decisions, or small habits, doing them now, will reap a lifetime of good benefits. Kevin Partner, author of the 10-Minute Author, started writing 10 minutes a day in January of 2017. That small little habit over the last four years has turned into one and a half million words written, 21 novels, two nonfiction books, and several short stories. All it took was setting up a small action, repeated over time, to turn into a four-figure monthly income from his writing. Sadly, the negative is also true. Small, sinful decisions today turn into death and destruction for our souls later. Just a small taste now can lead to an addiction later. Just a small compromising situation now can lead to full-out betrayal later. There's a way I've been taught about worshiping God and about coming to church. And unfortunately, the way that I've been taught and the way I've taught others is close, but it's just off by a little degree. And that small difference has made a huge discrepancy in the way God calls me to worship and the way I've been worshiping. And it might be a difference between you worshiping God in a approved way and a commanded way or a worship that dishonors him and hurts our ability to grow closer to Jesus Christ. Just one small, spiritually incorrect perspective on worship, repeated weekly for years, has the ability to lead me away from God's presence instead of closer to him. And it has 
to do partly with our identity in Christ and partly to do with our job description, but it has everything to do with worship. The Apostle Peter reminds me of this new job description in one of his letters. Turn with me and read 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 4 or 5. Let's take a look. Here, Peter has written this circular letter to non-Jewish Christians who needed encouragement in their sufferings. And one of the ways he encourages them is to remind them of their new identity in Christ. Their identity in Christ then gives them their function, and they know how to act and even worship God properly. Here's what it says. 1 Peter chapter 2. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Peter tells these Christians that they should keep growing in their salvation. This is the idea that even though we've been saved by grace through faith and declared not guilty and made a new creation through the rebirth of the Holy Spirit within us, our education in the Lord never stops and our growth and development in character, in the character of Jesus, continually progresses toward maturity. That when he says, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord of good, he's saying we need to continue to grow, progressively grow in our maturity in Jesus. And next is the identity marker. He reminds these Christians, as we come to Jesus, the living stone, we too are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. That's big news. I don't think we focus on our identity as a holy priest to God very often. If you've been at church or watching online for any amount of time, you've probably heard a preacher talk about how Jesus' sacrifice and death on the cross, followed by his resurrection from the dead three days later, cures you from your sin sickness, forgiving you of sin and buying you back into the family of God. You may even have heard about being adopted into the family of God, being given spiritual blessings, receiving an inheritance from Jesus. But our lesson today is, is if you have been saved by grace through faith and transformed by the Holy Spirit's new birth within you, then you've also been conscripted or drafted into the priesthood of believers. It comes with the new identity of child of God, You've also been given several responsibilities in this new relationship. Scripture calls us ambassadors for Christ, business partners with other Christians, and administrators of God's secret plan to unite all people under Jesus. Jesus has called us fishers of men and friend. But God says, because we are now his children, we have this new role that we rarely talk about, and that is the role of priest. This is a theme that's repeated throughout the entire Bible. Adam and Eve were made in the image of God, and God set them up to rule the earth under his authority as his ambassadors. Genesis chapter 2 doesn't use the word priest, but the intersection between heaven and earth already had its beginning in the humans God formed from earth and spirit. But Adam and Eve derailed that assignment with sin. 
Then later in Exodus chapter 19, as God is leading the Israelites out of Egypt, he tells them that he's going to make them into an entire nation of priests. And they will have a responsibility to worship God and lead others to worship God. One of their responsibilities as his people was to show the other nations the beauty and wisdom of God and his laws by functioning as priests. But in just a short period of time, the people of Israel made a golden idol to worship. They derailed their assignment with sin. But through the sacrifice Jesus made on the cross, he tore away our sin impairment and allowed us back into the presence of God and has given us a renewed identity as a member of the priesthood, which was part of God's plan all along. When John writes in Revelation and describes what our new heavenly home will be like, he too calls us priests. Revelation chapter 1, Revelation chapter 1, verses 5 and 6 says, To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom, priests, his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. This deserves some meditation on our part. Jesus didn't just save us from sin. He saved us to a new relationship and a new identity. And, and we really need to hear this. Our new identity as a priest gives us a new function. I think every Christian can align their worship with their identity of priest by fulfilling the three descriptions of the priest that God gives us. The three descriptions are this, carry the presence of God, minister to God, and to pronounce blessings from God. These three descriptions are actually found over here in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 8. Now, we don't really know how to be a priest of God because we don't really talk about being a priest of God very often, but the Old Testament displays and tells us what a priest looks like and what a priest does in God's temple to minister to God. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 8, we find this description of what a priest does. Verse 8 says, At that time the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the ark of the covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord to minister to him, and to pronounce blessings in his name. Three job descriptions found in the Old Testament that I believe carry over into the New Testament as we learn how to offer spiritual sacrifices to God. That's the three parts of the job description we're going to look at. Carry the presence of God, minister to God, and pronounce blessings in his name. Number one, we're going to carry the presence of God. The priests were called by God to carry his ark. It was called the Ark of God or Ark of the Co Covenant. If you've seen Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, this is the ark they're talking about in that movie. And it was here on the ark. It was it was a, a just a square box, but it was covered in gold. On the top was a lid with these angels that were crafted out of gold that were bowing down to this space on top of the box. And God says he would make his presence known on that space. It was called the mercy seat, kind of like an image of the throne room of God. And it was there on the mercy seat that God said he would speak to Moses face to face like a friend. This ark represented the very presence and holiness of God. Whenever the army of Israel would go into battle and they had the presence of God with them, the priests were carrying the ark. They would usually win the battle because God was with them. 
if God wasn't with them, so there, there was a there was a story where they take the, the ark thinking it's some kind of lucky amulet, and they take it and they think they're going to win because they have the ark, but God's presence wasn't with them. The priest's job was to carry the presence of God by carrying the ark. Our job is to carry the presence of God with us. Our bodies are made to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. When we're made new creation, given this new life by God, he promises to take out our heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh. And he promises to put his spirit within us. The Holy Spirit comes and dwells within our bodies. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 6 says, Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? You were bought by Jesus' blood. So we need to use our bodies to glorify God and be holy like he is holy. We carry Jesus, we carry the Holy Spirit within us. We carry God within us, just like the Old Testament priest did. That is one of our responsibilities as a priest. Everywhere our, our feet take us, we are the temple of God. The temple of God was so important to the Jewish believer. That was where they got to meet with God. That was where their sins were forgiven. That was where they received blessings. But now, as a Christian, we get to go wherever we go, wherever our feet take us, and be the temple of God for people all around us, wherever we are. So if you go to work, or if you go to school, or if you go to the playground, you are taking the temple of God with you because you have the indwelling Holy Spirit. This is where God plans to meet with people through his temple, you and me. And it's because we're made, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 says, we are made to be ambassadors for Christ, bringing about this reconciliation between God and people. We get to hold the hand of God and the hand of people and bring them together. We worship God and we teach other people how to worship God too, because we carry his presence with us. Also, because we have this indwelling Holy Spirit within us, we have the fruit of the Spirit. God enables us to uh, reveal himself in our love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is the fruit of the Spirit described in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Imagine everywhere you go, you are the temple of God and you get to reveal the peace God has brought through Jesus Christ and you do that through more love, through more self-control, through more patience than all the people around you because you are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Not only are you empowered by the Holy Spirit to have the fruit of the Spirit living out of your life, but you're also empowered by the Holy Spirit to live in obedience to the commands of God. You can walk in step with his spirit, because the spirit of God is within you. This is a beautiful way that we get to take the temple of God, his presence, wherever we go. Last, I don't want to miss this, because this also involves how we function when we come back and regather for corporate worship. I don't want us to miss this. The Holy Spirit indwelling within us also. It says in Ephesians chapter 4 that Jesus gave each of us a gift a gift to use in the gathering of people so that we can train them up toward maturity. Hear that again. When we come to gather as Christians, and next week we're scheduled to be to regather in the church building as the body of Christ. 
the people coming back together to celebrate what God has done and give him praise. But we're also called, because we, we carry the presence of God with us, we're also called, because we've been gifted by Jesus with a specific gift, we've also been called to teach each other how to be more mature in Jesus. I don't know what your spiritual gift is, but I want to help you find out what your spiritual gift is. Um, there's tests, there's scripture we can use, there's prayer. Regardless of what it is, you're called by God as one of his priests with the responsibility of taking the presence of God wherever you go to help train up other Christians to be more mature in Jesus. When you come to church next week, when you regather with other Christians, would you make it a point to, to have this new perspective, this slight degree change that you are coming to gather with other Christians to not only worship God, but also help train up other Christians. If you come in with that attitude and that perspective to a gathering of other Christians, you will be looking for ways to serve other Christians to the glory of God. What kind of difference would it make if all the Christians that gathered together were looking for ways, because they were carrying the presence of God, looking for ways to bring peace in service to other Christians to the glory of God, to display the gifts of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control, and to train up other Christians in maturity. Would that change how worship looks and feels when we regather? I think it would. I, I definitely think it would because we'd be looking out to give God glory by serving others. Which leads us to the second role of a priest, ministering to God. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 8, it says, the priests were to minister to God. Now, this is where I believe the English language fails us a little bit. The Hebrew language and the Greek language doesn't fail us. They have words for service, and they have words for administration, they have words for stewardship, and they have words for ministry. And a lot of times, all these words, when they're translated into English, are translated as minister or ministry. But the word minister to God means worshiping God with service that is specifically and only for him. Priests of God are only to minister to God. We can serve people in his name, and we can steward, have good management over the gifts that he gives us in his name, and we can administer in his name. But the word ministry is only used in the Bible to refer to service toward God. As a priest, our responsibility is to minister to the Lord. Now, a lot of times ministry and minister is translated as serving. Well, God doesn't need us for anything. He is almighty. He is all-powerful. He is all-wise. He doesn't need us to serve him as if he needed something from us, but he does command us to serve him. He gave this responsibility to priests to serve him, and then he set up this temple for the priests to serve him in. In Exodus and Deuteronomy and Leviticus, God explains what the temple duties were to the priest. The priest would wait at the entrance to uh, the temple grounds, and people would bring their sacrifice in. And the priest would take that animal, they would kill that animal and sacrifice it on the altar. Then they would go and wash their hands and feet at a water basin 
before they entered into what was called the holy place. And this was a tent set up that was divided into two sections, a holy place and then the holy of holy places where the Ark of the Covenant resided. That's where God's presence was. And in the holy place, after they'd washed their hands and feet, uh, they had three pieces of furniture that they were supposed to operate and serve. One was a table that had bread on it. Another was a lampstand that provided light for the holy place. And the other was an altar of incense. And the lamp and the altar, they had to keep burning all the time. And then they could go into the presence of God, the Holy of Holies. I think some of these temple objects of furniture kind of explain how we are supposed to give God our spiritual sacrifices today. Now, we don't serve in a temple setting anymore. Even when we come into a church building, it is not the temple of the Holy Spirit because that is our bodies. But we do have a responsibility to offer and minister to God by offering our bodies as a spiritual sacrifice. In Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 1, it says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, remember how Jesus died for you while you were still a sinner and then rose from the dead to give you a new relationship with, with God at peace, forgiven? Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, and this is your true spiritual act of worship. This is your true and proper worship. This is your ministry to the Lord. Now, offering our bodies as a living sacrifice means we are sacrificing ourselves, serving God, ministering to Him in a worshipful way all the time not just on Sundays, but all the time. Let me take it as if we were bringing the temple furniture into today's world uh, with uh, kind of an allegorical approach. Well, when we come to the altar where they would make sacrifices, we understand and we realize that Jesus was our sacrifice once and for all. We no longer need to put animals and kill animals as a sacrifice to the Lord, for the rollback or pushback of our sins. When Jesus died, he died once for all to cover over all of our sins, and we are declared not guilty. But God calls us to this spiritual act of sacrifice where we now no longer live for ourselves, but we live for him. After passing the altar of sacrifice where we have decided to live for him with our whole bodies, our whole minds, our whole actions, all of our words, we come to the water basin. In Ephesians chapter 5, it says we can be washed and cleansed by the word, making us holy and pleasing to God. Well, as we read the scripture, part of our spiritual sacrifice we offer to God is we transform our thinking to start thinking like the Bible instructs us to think. The scripture reveals how God thinks. The more we read it, the more we meditate on it, the more our minds get transformed, renewing of our minds daily, to look and think and sound like Jesus. The scripture tells us we're to capture every thought and make it captive to Christ. The scripture tells us we are to meditate on things that are holy and good and pleasing to the Lord. When we meditate and when we read and when we memorize the word, we are washing our minds with scripture and we're learning how to think. This is a spiritual sacrifice we get to offer to God. This is how we minister to God. This is how we serve the Lord. Jesus says that if we love him, we'll obey him. 
and we are commanded to meditate on the law of the Lord daily. Then we leave the wash basin as if we were in the temple and we approach the holy place where the three pieces of furniture are, the lampstand, the table with the showbread, and the altar of incense. Now the lampstand was supposed to be kept lit uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It was a seven, uh, seven lamps filled with oil. The priest had to keep filling them with oil, make sure they were lit all the time. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter five that it, our lights should shine before men. Our good deeds should shine like lights before men so that they could see our good deeds and then give God the glory. Let me say that again but actually use the scripture so I don't mess it up. It's Matthew chapter five, verse 16. I hope Nick edits that out, that mistake out, so it doesn't sound like I'm an idiot, like sometimes I really am. Here's what Matthew chapter five, verse 16 says. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That lampstand in the holy place was the only light in the whole tent, and that allowed the priest to work. When we let others see our good deeds, we become the light of Christ to others. And they end up glorifying God, especially when we display the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentle, gentleness and self-control. When people see that light shining out of us, the light of Christ, they stop, they take notice, and a lot of times they give glory to God. They even come to, come to Christ and become priests as well. Then we go over to the showbread, the table of showbread. This is a table of fellowship. This is where the priests would eat and give glory to God. We are called to fellowship with other Christians as well, eat with them, and then we're called when we gather together to eat communion together, participating in the body and blood of Christ. And that bread on that table represented Jesus. That represented the Passover meal that they were going to eat later. That represented the some people said the face of God. And when they would hold that bread, they would imagine that it is the face of God to them. When Jesus held the bread, he said, this is my body broken for you. And it, that eating together is this fellowship that we get to continue to do today with other Christians. That word fellowship, we're going to study a little bit uh, more in depth after we finish our worship series. But it has this idea of partnering with other Christians in this business opportunity to go out and fish for men, bring them into the kingdom. We offer a spiritual sacrifice to God when we fellowship together in the same way the priest did at that table, eating together, praying together, worshiping together. We're going to continue to do that as well, especially as we regather. And finally, the altar of incense. This was incense that was burning and it would go up to, to the Lord and he would smell it and he's pleased by that incense. In Psalm chapter 141, David says, may my prayers go up before you like the altar of incense. In Revelation chapter 5, it says the prayers of the saints go up to God as if the altar of incense, as if it was incense to the Lord. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul tells us we should pray without ceasing, just like the altar of incense was burning all the time. When we pray to God, that is one of our spiritual sacrifices that is pleasing to the Lord. Do you see how the furniture in the temple where the priests would work and serve and minister to the Lord kind of are a shadow of how we 
spiritually minister to the Lord today. One of the responsibilities of the priest is to minister to God. Now, this, this has direct relevance to us. I bet some of us didn't even know that we had those responsibilities as a priest to minister to the Lord. That one small degree change in our perspective allows us to worship God in a way he has commanded. What would happen if we came together and regathered as a church with the idea and perspective that we have gathered together to minister to God, to offer him our prayers as a spiritual sacrifice, to offer him our fellowship with other Christians as a sacrifice. And it really becomes a sacrifice if you have to meet with people you don't really like. <laughs> to, to let our good deeds as a spiritual sacrifice shine before others so that they would give glory to God. To come together so that we can wash our minds with the word of God and be cleansed, holy and pleasing to him to offer our bodies in holiness, to serve him, what would happen to our worship if we regathered and we had that perspective? That one small degree of change makes a huge difference. Finally, we, we've gone over carry the presence of God. We've gone over uh, ministering to God. And then the last one is to pronounce spiritual blessings in his name. Now, this is a kind of a difficult one for us because a lot of times we're not used to giving blessings. Dallas Willard, in his book, Living in Christ's Presence, he kind of describes it this way. He says, we have been blessed, we have been gifted by God so that we can go and re redistribute those gifts to anybody who's close to us. We have been given the good gifts of God so that we can redistribute them to the people who are near us. This is how we give a blessing. If we have received anything good, we share it and redistribute it among people around us so that they can be given something good as well, and we do it in the name of the Lord. One way to do this blessing is to, if you see someone you know is not a believer in Christ, you could treat them as if they're made, because they are. You can treat them as they're made, in the image of God. They are image bearers of God. Next week is what's called Sanctity of Life Sunday. And part of New Life Clinic, that's a parachurch ministry organization in our town, part of their uh, responsibility and as part of the way they serve God is they teach their clients, they teach the moms and dads that come in to receive help on how to be a better mom and how to be a better dad. New Life Clinic teaches those clients that they are made in the image of God. And the baby that is growing inside those moms is also made in the image of God. We have church members that work there that provide ultrasounds for the moms who come in with unexpected pregnancies or um, just they're scared and they don't know what to do. We have church members that work there that reveal to those moms the baby within them. And it is so beautiful when moms get to see their baby for the first time. And then all of a sudden, this wonder of birth and this wonder of new life begins to dawn on them. And we realize even deep down that these babies, these babies in the womb are made in the image of God. I love how New Life Clinic continues to do that. Next week, we're going to have these baby bottles 
that we're gonna pass out to anybody who wants one, and we fill it full of change, and then we bring it back, and it's just a way to help New Life Clinic continue to meet the needs in our community, serve our community to give glory to God. It's, it's a way to bless people, treat them as if they've been made in the image of God, because they have been. Imagine this past week, if those people at, in Washington, D.C. that stormed the Capitol had have just stopped and worshiped God and realized the people they were attacking and the people they were moving through had been made in the image of God. Imagine if our politicians would treat each other as if they'd been made in the image of God. What would happen is when we come together as a church again, when we regather, if we would treat each other as if we were image bearers of God. For the saved people, when we give out blessings, we are pronouncing a a good, we are intentionally giving them good from our heart in a way that honors God. And we can even say a blessing over them using our words. Uh, some people even say when we speak, we would speak as if they were the words of God and we declare a blessing over them. Gordon McDonald, Pastor Gordon McDonald tells a story when he was at ground zero after 9-11 when the towers fell. And he was walking around with a monk. And the monk was walking around ground zero around the pit, and he was dressed in full monk robes. His name was Norman. And he carried prayer beads, and he carried a cross, and he was dressed fully in the monk robes. And he said the first responders that were at ground zero, just a couple of days, still cleaning out the rubble, still looking for signs of life, they would come and fall at their feet, at the feet of the monk, and they would ask the father, they would say, we need to confess our sins because we know this is a terrible time. We need to turn back to God. And they would fall at his feet and confess their sins, and then the priest would give them a blessing. This happened time and time again, and Gordon MacDonald finally asked him, he said, Norman, what are you telling these people? And Norman said, I make the sign of the cross on their forehead, and I say, I mark you with the sign of the cross in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now go in peace and do the work God has called for you to do. Norman said, I give this blessing, and then they go refreshed. They go away refreshed in the name of Jesus Christ, and they continue to work and save lives. And Gordon MacDonald then asked his friend, he said, Norman, when was the last time you were blessed? And Norman kind of teared up, and he said, I, I haven't been blessed in a long time. And Gordon MacDonald said, would you allow me to give you a blessing? And that monk on that day, at that moment, knelt down in front of Gordon MacDonald, and Gordon MacDonald reached forward and he said, I sign you with the mark of the cross in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now go in peace and continue to do the job God has called you to do. We get to, as priests of God, give those type of blessings away. That was one of the duties of the priests of the Old Testament. Ah, oh, I kept telling myself I wouldn't say duty. That was one of the responsibilities of the priests in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 8, is to pronounce blessing over the name, in the name of God, over the people. That's one of our responsibilities we keep doing. Jesus says we even get to love our enemies and give them blessings, not curse. When Jesus was insulted and they beat him and they pulled his beard and they blindfolded him and said, okay, prophesy, prophet, who hit you this time? He never insulted them back, but instead he would give them blessing. When they nailed him to the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. He was pronouncing blessings in the name of God 
over even his enemies. What would happen if we started doing that everywhere we went, pronouncing blessings in the name of the, the Lord, redistributing the good gifts God has given us? What would happen if we gave out a blessing of our joy or our love or our patience or our kindness? What if we clothed ourselves with compassion and humility and we gave people the blessing of listening? We have been called to give away blessings. We carry the presence of the Lord. We minister to God with spiritual sacrifices and we pronounce blessings. This small perspective change, this little degree change in our worship is going to make a huge difference. Not only in our ability to grow closer to God, not only in our ability to grow in our maturity, but also in our ability to lead people to Jesus. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul talks about the gathering of Christians, and he says when we get together, we should uh, educate each other, we should encourage one another, and when non-believers come in and see that type of love and see that type of prophecy going on, speaking in the name of the Lord, he said they'll fall to their faces in worship because they'll realize God is in their presence. Can you imagine if the whole church, our whole church, Wilmington Church of Christ, began to act like the identity of priests we were called to be, where we would carry the presence of God everywhere we go, but especially when we gather together that we would minister to God with spiritual sacrifices everywhere we go, but especially when we gather together, we come to worship and minister to the Lord. Can you imagine what would happen if we came with the idea and the attitude that we were going to minister to God and not be ministered to? Imagine how many volunteers we would have in the children's department. Imagine how many volunteers we would have to serve because we were ministering to God. Imagine what would happen if that one small degree change would happen in our church. And then imagine if we used our time to redistribute the good gifts God has given us to pronounce blessings. I'm telling you, our church can begin to change our community, begin to change our city and our county and our state. Can you imagine what would happen if that type of ministry to the Lord would take fire in our community and spread out over the United States? We all know that there is something wrong and broken bad in the United States right now, especially with our po political system. What happens if God begins to use us as his priests to bring about peace in our land? Would you start praying for that today? That God would use us and use this relationship, use our new identity as his priests to serve this world to bring about his peace. If this message has inspired you or encouraged you, we would love if you shared it with a friend. To help support ministries like this one, go to wcconline.org slash donate.